There's strength in communities. In this installment of the Grind to Find, business coach Dia Irby joins me to discuss growing pains when building strong communities, the importance of the body, how to claim transformation, and much more when we explore this grind right now. Happy Friday, family, and welcome to The Grind to Find. Tara Michelle here, certified spiritual mindset and wellness coach, helping high achievers find fluidity between their emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being while bridging the gap between who they are in service and who they were designated to be by our creator. Happy, happy Friday, everybody. Today, hey, it's all about community. You know what? Community in 2022 is so different than what community was in the 50s, 60s, 70s even. You know, that was back when it took a village to raise a child, where you could be two or three blocks over, clowning, acting a fool, showing off for your friends, and word gets back, and you'd be lucky if one of the neighbor's parents didn't spank your butt out there on the block. But even if they didn't, and you got a couple whacks on the way home, by the time you got to the house, mama was waiting for you because word had gotten to her that you were not acting accordingly to how everyone in the neighborhood knew your mother required. Those days were so amazing. It wasn't about being in each other's business. It wasn't that uh, this child or that child or this woman or that man were uh, separate. There was a cohesive unit there where everyone had a vested interest in the well-being of one another. And back then the climate around us was so very different because each individual knew that they played an important role in the overall, the collective effort of the community to stay whole, to stay tight, and to remain as one. Well, today I have author, speaker, and business coach Dia Irby in the virtual building with me today. And we're going to dive, not, dive into not only some aspects of community, but some other areas that maybe you might not have thought about in a way that I think is going to prove to be very interesting. So I'm not gonna waste any time gliding into this conversation, but right before I do, I think it's only fitting for me to let you learn just a little bit more about Dia Irby. For Dia Irby, building community is the most valuable aspect of leadership. She has been married to her pastor husband for almost 50 years and while serving as the first lady in their churches, owning and operating a tea room, becoming a published author, and serving the Research Triangle of North Carolina as a realtor, it became apparent how important it is to forge relationships and build thriving communities. Through the many adventures orchestrated by God, Dia has learned that her mission is to share the importance of belonging and the integral role each individual shares in the process. I know firsthand how community and belonging directly connect to identity, so I wanted to find out where Dia's journey began and how she connected to her own identity and leadership to be able to support others as she does today. Hello, everyone. Hello, and I 
I am so excited about today because I have an amazing woman in the studio with me, Dee Irby, and she is going to be talking about so many different things, but we're really going to get to hone in on community when it comes to communication and leadership. And I'm so excited about diving deep into this. Dee, I want to thank you so much for joining me on The Grind Define today. How are you? I am fine, Carolyn. It's Dia. If you have an idea who I am, it's Dia. And I'm doing great. And thank you for having me here. Thank you. And thank you so much for the correction. <laughs> I you, appreciate uh, that. You know, I'm glad that this happened because many people just automatically think that it's D. So we got that out of the way. Absolutely. And you know, I think it's, it's so very important. I, I want to pronounce your name correctly. So thank you. And it's a beautiful name, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. A name is important, which is part of my point. Absolutely. It's extremely important. So, you know, getting started here today, first of all, what you do in terms of just communication, you do it in so many different areas. You do it in terms of leadership. You do it in terms of family. You being a, a pastor's wife, a first lady for so many years, just within your spiritual community. So I, I want to know, where was it in your journey in life that you knew that, hey, building community was going to be the thing for me? When did you find out that that's what your purpose was? Thank you for asking that because it was it was a time when I grew up in a small town. I tell people I was from, uh, I'm from South America, meaning I was born in Mississippi and I've lived in Alabama, two places in Georgia and two places in Florida. So that's pretty much South America. But in my small Mississippi town of only about 5,000, I thought the life that I was experiencing was what everybody has. I mean, I don't know where you grew up, uh, maybe Chicago area, but whatever you experienced when you were growing up is how you thought that's how everybody experienced life because that's all we know when we're young right um if three people are sleeping in one bedroom or if you have a chauffeur you think everybody in the world is having the same experience well in this small town everybody knew everybody and everybody knew who I was and if I and that's good and it's bad but if I got if I was out there and I got out of line you better be sure my aunt Pat would call my mom and say do you know what your daughter's doing you know it was like it was like cheers where everybody knows your name so there was that but then there was also the support that you could get and when I was a driving teenager and I would I could pull into the full service station and Clyde would come out and clean my windshield while the gas was pumping, check the oil and when the hood was down, I'd say, bye, thanks. And he'd go write it down on my dad's tab. I mean, he knew who I was. And, and so I thought that that is the experience everybody had. I thought belonging, having identity, being connected and claimed in a community was what everybody had. I went off to college just, you know, within an hour away where I knew half the people and we were connected. Then when I'm my husband and I, he started seminary 30 minutes away from there, half the people from college went to the seminary. So, you know, we knew everybody and I thought being belonging and being connected was what everybody experienced until I didn't have it. After seminary, we moved 13 hours away from everybody I knew and everything I knew. It was a totally different culture. I mean, in my hometown, 
if I if I saw somebody I'd say, Hey, how you doing? They say, I'm doing good. How's your mom and them? And if you're not from the South, how's your mom and them means how is your mother and all of your relatives that I know and how are they doing? And tell them that I said hello. But we can just say, How's your mom and them? And and so when, when when I was in Central Florida, nobody knew that my grandfather had ridden his horse around as sheriff around the county. Nobody knew my uncle was Chamber of Commerce chairman. I wasn't distant cousins with the other half of the people. I would say, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Dia Irby. And they'd go, so? And it was like, well, I mean, doesn't anybody care? <laughs> Where's my... Where's my community? And that's when I realized not everybody has felt the belonging, the security, the identity in a community. And in all my endeavors throughout the years to follow, I built community wherever I was. So I wanted to encourage people in this, this importance of knowing that people belong. I've got a quote that I, I made that's on my website that says, in a sea of humanity, belonging is the shore of security, love, and identity. I mean, if you know anything about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, you start at the bottom with just basic food, shelter, and clothing. But right after that is belonging. We all need to feel like we belong somewhere. And I got a download from God. He said, this is how you can tell it. People want to be, they don't want to just be connected, you know, like have a library card. They're connected to the library. They want to be claims like at Cheers, where everybody knows your name. And that's where I came up with my CLAIM acronym. Now, before you get into breaking down that acronym, I want to take and give just a little bit of foundation because now we know what community means. And, you know, I really like that you brought up coming up and knowing everybody within your community and having that sense of identity. And that was back when it took a village because all of the women, whether this woman was at home or not, or that one ran to the grocery store, everyone was watching out for all of the children. Everybody was watching out for the community as a whole. Everybody had a vested state in the well-being of everyone within that community. Everyone served not only their purpose, but they mattered as individuals. And so it's so crazy to be at a space now where that communal connection is not as valuable and as important as it used to be because when it was valuable and important like that, then you saw that in the individual. If someone tripped off a curb, everybody was running at the same time to make sure that that person was okay as opposed to now, if something were to happen, people are picking up their phone and just recording it. They're just sitting back watching it happen. And so I love that you took us back to that space when we had that cohesiveness with one another that sense of God and humanity with one another that we're missing in a lot of ways now. So you had that experience of community and eventually got to a space um, where you were able to build that on your own, being a pastor's wife and just having your restaurant and all of those things. Was there ever a space for you before you got to those uh instances where you took on leadership and community where you felt as though, man, there's a disconnect for me and going through that process of trying to find what that personal connection was for Dia. Because I feel like, was there a space where Dia had to find that for herself and build that for herself and then she knew how to lead that for other people? Well, I tell you, that experience of having 
everything that gave me security being wiped out from under me when we moved away and the first Thanksgiving, you know, and when we would have Thanksgiving when I grew up, we'd have it at my grandmother's and we'd have 65 people there. You know, all the relatives came. And here I am, a husband and two toddlers and me. And, you know, so what that also did was it made me go to the real source of belonging and identity. And I began reading the Psalms and finding God. I remember finding the verse that says he collects our tears in his bottle. Uh, the verse that says, you know, I'm crying myself to sleep. It was like, if your whole world disappears and everything that gives you identity and security is gone, I'm still connected to my passion to help other people feel a sense of belonging was I was finding my true sense of identity and the reality of Jesus, the rubber meets the road kind of relationship. It shifted from a, a to-do list. I mean, I had given my heart to Jesus, but at this time it was like I gave the innermost part and found a true sense of identity and belonging. I love that you said that because I think so many of us who are on that journey, I remember a space when I I just knew that I was given my all and I was just going through the motions and functioning actually very superficially. It wasn't until I got a deeper understanding. And I think that deeper understanding came from still feeling like I was wanting in some areas. I'm, I, you know, I'm reading scriptures and I'm going to church and I, I'm doing all of the, the checklists that people tell you that you should do. So I'm in just going through those motions and, and being uh, left wanting. That's what made me say, you know what? I don't think I'm doing this right. I think that there's more to it than what it is that I'm doing. And then when you actually open yourself up and allow that space for God to really get in there, that's when you get deep. And that's when that sense of belonging you were talking about, that identity, it's like this connection, like this light switch all of a sudden comes on. So I love that you talk about that. I, I'm thinking too of when you were describing to us resuscitating the church. I think that resuscitating the church, that community, because it's 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 communal, but it's also this, uh, it's a relationship. It's a family atmosphere where there's a relationship and all relationships, even marriages, because you've been married forever, which I think is amazing. You've been Way a long time. Uh, Way yeah. a long time, right? So all relationships go through that period where you're reinventing, you're resuscitating, you're renewing what you once had. You can't go forever on what you started with because you change over time. The well, church changes It's like, it's like thinking time. you can take a breath. Okay, I did my breathing for today. I don't think so. Right. It doesn't work that way. So when you talk about that resuscitation, that renewal, for people listening who are thinking, you know what? Absolutely. Community within my life and me actually being an integral part of creating and expanding and even building this, this community. What are some signs that people would be able to identify that says that, hey, this could use a renewal or resuscitation. What are some things that let people know that there's a disconnect from community that they can look for? So you're asking me, how do we know if the church is dead? And not just not just the church, the building. You know, we are. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the people in the church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
it's not alive. Well, there are a couple of things. One is they're like The Walking Dead, if you ever saw that show. They're, they're going through motion mindlessly. If they can't have a conversation and share about some fresh new lesson or message that they've heard from God. And I tell you a big a big part of knowing if the community is actively walking with Jesus, if you hear repentance, if you see people being convicted by the Spirit to uh, confess their sins instead of point out other people's. That part. And, and yeah, you know, well, did you see so-and-so? She had, I heard, and you know, so, and then there's a, a, an element of forgiveness. So people are able to have the authenticity and the security to confess their sins and the open arms of grace extended because the other people in the church also know the value of grace and that like Paul said, I'm the chief among sinners and yet look at all he accomplished. If people are not able to say, I need grace as much as you do. The, the, the ground at the cross is level. Nobody's big. Nobody's little. Everybody's medium. And then does the church have or the people in the church have a passion for sharing like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread do they have a passion for sharing this good news because they see the importance of it they appreciate the relationship and it's not we got to get some more members because we got to build this church and we need more people to give money. That's not the sign of a healthy growing church. Does that, that is, that is so the, true. those answers help? Oh yeah, ab absolutely. And especially because like you were saying, there's the church community, but we as individuals are the church. And I think that the things that you mentioned um, for folks listening and watching, being able to have that moment where you do that self-assessment, because I think a lot of the times we'll go to a body looking for what it is that we need, but not really connected to how we contribute to the body as a whole. There are, there's always something that we can get from the community, but we should be intentional and cognizant about what we're actually bringing to the community. And I don't think a lot of people um, really understand that how important that is, or necessarily go with the mindset of what they're bringing to the community first. So yeah, I think those things are, are great. For people totally. to know and to hold on to. And am I, uh, how many times did we, well, I don't like, I'm not going to come to your church because it doesn't have the right youth group. I'm not coming to your church because I, I, I don't like the music. I'm not coming to your church because all the people are too young or all the people are too old or there's too many blue hairs or there's not a, man, a blue hairs because it's covering your gray gone bad or blue hair because, because um yeah it's purple last week and it's blue this week you know and maybe red but <clears throat> so uh, we always emphasize the the fact that it's the body of Christ. And just like it says in scripture, what can the hand say to the foot? And I can't say to the, every single part of the body is important to function. And the hand is not expected, unless you're a special acrobat, to walk on the floor. You know, you're not supposed to go around doing handstands all across the room. The hands are not made to walk on. The body needs to adjust and support and help because 
everybody's in different places and we need to appreciate what God has given each person to do and support them in accomplishing that. Very good point. Very good point. We're going to take a brief pause right here, but when we come back, Dee is going to walk us through some of the challenges that come with growing pains, how important it is to have the support of the body and what it means to be claimed. Hmm. You're not going to want to miss this. Stick around. Had a dream that she could do it, could do it. Somehow she lost her way and didn't stick to it. Stick to she it. wanted the house, the cars, the money. She did all that she could. In her mind, she was so focused, so focused. doing overtime in the diner. diner. Just wanted someone to want in diner. diner. She didn't believe in herself. Believe in yourself. You can do it. Believe in yourself. Ain't nothing to it. Believe in yourself. Even if nobody does Believe in yourself Believe in yourself Believe in yourself Even if nobody does Don't let nobody tell you that you can't when you can Don't let nobody tell you that you can when you can Don't let nobody tell you that you can't when you can For some answers They said she wouldn't make it She couldn't take it She did all that she could Getting sick from the chemo Bank account started looking real low She knew she could make it She wouldn't take it She believed in herself Believe in yourself You can do it Believe in yourself Ain't nothing to it Believe in yourself Even if nobody does Nobody does Don't let nobody tell you that you can't when you can Tell you that you can't when you can. Oh, oh, oh. Let nobody 
With all of the different experiences, the, the different, um, all of the different routes that you've taken to build community, what do you think uh, you would say was something that you were challenged with at the beginning of building community that eventually you got the answer to through God to work out? Because I, I know that now, because you've been doing it for some time, you make it sound easy peasy. <laughs> Like no sweat. I could, I know you could do this in your sleep now, but what was something that you were challenged with that God had to move you beyond that you learned from? Well, there are a couple of times when I can think that I didn't do it right. So there it is. <laughs> uh, as my role in the churches as we moved around 15 times plus was well, first of all, when I got there and I knew everybody thought, oh, here's the preacher's wife, that I, right up front, I don't do flowers and I don't ask me to play the piano because my piano teacher asked me to quit. So there's that. But what I did bring was I would develop a, a drama. Not, well, there are plenty of people that bring drama to the church, but I'm talking about the theatrical kind. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose where you're actually making a presentation and sometimes it was really challenging to corral everybody to have the same vision and understand what we were about and I you know like I, I, I get everybody there and then somebody calls so-and-so's not coming to rehearsal because she needs to take a nap <laughs> it's not even because she needs to take I need to take a nap <laughs> yeah and it's like okay so everybody that gave up their nap time to be here to block and your person is not going to be standing in their place so everybody doesn't know where they're supposed to go oh i get it so just there's an inside joke about church work would be great if it weren't for the people so you have to you do there are challenges and sometimes i made the mistake of being so outcome oriented with i mean we were doing um, a full musical production with a cast of 50 for a dinner theater three nights and a sunday afternoon matinee and i've kind of got my end result in mind and i would sometimes not be it's a good thing i had a stage manager that was bringing some of the love sometimes but I, I, you know it's not it's not always easy to apply but i know the value of it because when you mess up then there's that thing about a real church there's confession of sin hey guys i am sorry i have not been uh loving and patient and experiencing all the fruits of the spirit with you fruit of the spirit with you so please forgive me i'm gonna work harder and can you work Carter too so we can get it but no but I, I get it though I get it because you're looking at the big picture and sometimes when you're looking at the outcome you'll miss the moving parts that are involved in getting there that makes so much sense but also too I think what's so beautiful about that is because you were like you know what I didn't do this the best then God can always show you the different ways in which that process that you didn't do you did to the best of your ability you did the best with what you knew at the time but it worked as a space of refinement to get you to where you are today and doing the leadership oh, that you are oh. today so it, it was all divinely intended at the end of the day you know yeah and 
things like somebody comes up to me, one of the moms of the cast members, and says, um, you need to learn to use things. Uh, love, don't love things and use people. You need to love people and use things. So, okay. Yeah. That's good. So, uh, thank you, Body of Christ. You're <laughs> right. Uh, yes, that sandpaper. And, and and that's another sign of a, uh, an alive church where people can, if they have freely shared uh, a concern with someone, you know, if someone's in sin, go to your brother in private. It says to do that and share that. So how do you respond? You go, oh, well, I don't know what you're talking about. No, oh, that before the throne. He confirms it. Okay, I need to work on this. Absolutely. It's, it's brought in love and the response should be in love, you know, and I, I, I love that. So this, this is perfect positioning then for you to, let's go back to claim, because I remember when we oh. talked about that and you were downloaded and you were saying how this is the gospel, the way you broke it down is so beautiful. So please share with everybody what the acronym for claim is. Right. I was looking for a way to talk about how, how to communicate what is needed to have a community for people to feel like they belong and I knew that people didn't just want to be connected they want to be claimed and I don't mean like insurance claim I mean like claim like you're mine and and uh, one Sunday in in worship I God said it's claimed the word claim and here it is simply explained as the gospel but it's also i'm gonna i'm gonna go through that but also it's you have to claim yourself with self-love in order to fill up your cup so you can pour out to other people and you you claim your family you claim your partners your friends your church members your nonprofit organization your in you know your corporate organization in the marketplace but claim let's see if you can remember these letters do you remember what c stands for me no c means people want to be chosen and so god chose us before the foundation of the world right and the l is for love people want to be loved god loved us he chose us and he loved us. Even while we were yet sinners, he loved us. He loved us before we loved him. And the A stands for acknowledged. God chose us and loved us and he acknowledged our need for a solution so we wouldn't stay forever separated from him. The I is invested in. God chose us and because he loved us, he acknowledged our need. He invested his own son for us in sending him to die because we matter and because we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in them so we are made for greatness each one of us and that greatness is not being on the cover of a magazine or having the most Twitter followers it is being all that we were created to be and carrying out those works that God especially created us to accomplish that were tailor-made for us to do. I think that it's, it's so wonderful how something as powerful as that acronym, it literally applies to every aspect of our, of our life and our being, just simply and seamlessly. It's the perfect foundation 
Yes. No yeah. matter where you are and what you're trying to build as as um, community for yourself, be it in the workplace, be it in a, a place of worship, be it just within your own community around your home, within your family. Sometimes nowadays there's so much division that goes on amongst families and being able to find a space where you can reconnect and build a sense of community within your family. People think, you know, it used to be back in the day that when you said family, that automatically meant that sense of closeness and togetherness. Not so much now. So sometimes taking a different pro approach to rebuild that is so very important. I'm curious with all that you know and the downloads that you've gotten from God, it's a very powerful ones. I want to know what is something that Dia knows today that she didn't know 10 years ago? Mm, 10 years ago. Or well, how about yesterday? What I <laughs> well, you're not. The reason why I say 10 years ago is because yesterday you've been the person that you are now and leading in the way that you've been leading for some time now. So that's why I say to what's something that if you were looking back at Dia 10 years ago, you know today that she didn't know then and you wish she probably had it though. Well, I didn't have the word claim yet, so but I had the concept of community. And and here's, you know, not everybody belongs in your, you can't claim everybody. Not everybody belongs in your community. And there are, there are people that just need to go find another community. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, that that's true because me being a coach, I understand that there's a specific tribe that God has designated for me. I'm not meant to be the coach to everybody. So when I'm clear about who I am in God, how I'm supposed to show up and who it is that he sends me to serve, that's what lets me know that even if someone comes to me for my services, if I know that it's not a good alignment for whatever reason, it's up to me to say, well, no, and then maybe refer them to somebody that's the best fit. So I love that you said that because I think that a lot of the times, especially as individuals, when we're trying to belong, sometimes we'll try to be a part of anything and connect to anyone. And it's so important to really have your relationship and connection with God so you know with specificity where you belong, who you belong with, and more importantly, who does not fit. So I love love that you brought up that point. Great point. Yeah, there's that. And here's something that I did learn. I had an opportunity to do some training and it's such a simple thing. It, what is, is what is. And be in the moment and don't write a story. I can remember so many times, like, especially if I'm trying to make sure everybody's in, feels so included in our church. And maybe somebody gave me a, a funny look. Oh, she's probably upset with me about, because I had, I heard a new term, FUMO. Do you know, you might've heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. FUMO is fear of other people's opinion. So uh, it was like, you would start writing this story when it was, she was worried about somebody else and she happened to look in my direction. So don't write a story. Just be with the person where they are. So when you're having a conversation with someone, don't be thinking back of everything that you remember or, you know, and filter everything they're saying through the past. And also be present and not in the future of figuring out what you're going to say next while you're listening. That's so, true. Well, you know, you want to be prepared and say the right thing, but it's okay to have listening time and then start. And then also too, I, I, understanding that the emphasis that people put on what's right and what's wrong, 
to do, to say, to be, you know, sometimes that impedes growth. Everything doesn't have to be quote unquote right. How about you just show up as your authentic self, let an exchange or an interaction happen, and then take the time to assess and digest what you were a part of. And then from there, you can refine what worked and what didn't. It doesn't always have to be right or wrong. Because I think that that's sometimes, I think these these labels that we put on ourselves and our, our actions and reactions, our way of being can sometimes be limiting. We don't allow ourselves to really open up to grow and even for God to lead if we've made it up in our mind, the box of necessarily what's right, what's wrong. Some things we just experience where we are and we react with what we know. We do the best that we can at that time. And the fact that we're limited in knowledge or experience doesn't necessarily make our responses wrong. Some things are just definitely like wrong, but many things that we label wrong are not necessarily wrong, but just the best that we knew to do in that moment. And then once you allow yourself to be in that moment, you learn from it and you do better. You know, so I really like that you that you brought that point up. There's also sometimes you have to be willing to give up your right to be right. And, you know, I, I've been married almost 50 years. There's some times when you just give up the right to be right. <laughs> Maybe that has something to do with it. No, I don't know. But yes, it is what it is. Don't write a story about it. Don't make this big thing about it. Okay, you messed up. Okay. And was that the first time? Was and that it won't the, be the last, last time? time. Right. <laughs> there will be other times. There would definitely be other oh. times. So it just is. So just, and for whatever reason, you know, and this is so your podcast. There's no trial that's upon us that jo that is joyous, but grievous. But those who are trained by it will bear the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The grind is there. Even Paul said, you know, he, he asked for the thorn to be removed, but God left it for him and whatever it was because it was making him be the man of God that God wanted him to be. So when we have a grind that's happening in our lives, you know, God may have it there because we have some rough edges that need to be sanded off. Absolutely. That that whole, and you know what, I've, I've learned along my journey, or I'm still learning, that refinement comes in so many different ways and shapes. And we'll be thinking that this is, there's one thing that we need. Okay. I know I need work on this. This is how I need to address it. And God is pushing us in another direction. We're not open to it because we feel like we know what we need and how to approach it. That refinement can come in so many different forms. Some of the things that we would not even notice or maybe just brush off as meaningless could be that small thing that makes a huge difference in our perception of what we're dealing with. And not only that, how we interact with the people around us. So, I mean, I, I've learned that it's, it's so important for us to be open and to get out of our own way and so many different things. Allow yourself to be and allow God to be who he is. And when you have that opening, when you create those spaces within you by dumping out a lot of junk, casting out a lot of limitations, not being just completely and totally hell bent on your way being the only way to get to where you think you wanna be. He may have a completely and totally different plan for you, but if you're filled up with all of these things where you're taking the leadership, then there's no space for him to pour into you what he wants. And when he pours into you, when we create that space and allow that to happen, that's when we really see things start to change for us. And I'm talking sustainable 
meaningful change, not things that are just okay for a moment. And then you're left wanting again, 30 days from now, and you're right back at where you started or even further behind, you know? So whew, I digress. <laughs> Preach it, girl. Preach it. <laughs> no, I, I heard early on in my marriage a Christian speaker that I admired say that when he was when there were if there was ever something about his wife that irritated him, instead of asking God to change her, he would say, "God, whatever it is that I need work on, that she her irritation is there for me to work on." then don't change her until I've you've finished your work in me through that. I love that. That's That'd so powerful. Good. That is so good. And listen, many of us don't say prayers like that, but we should. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that this is a real challenge. No, we should. We should. Because yeah. um, he loves us. He loves us. And there's nothing. This is something to remember. There is nothing we can do to make God love us any more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us any less. So we can just be with him in his love. Absolutely. Now, what I want to know, because you, you've shared so wonderfully, I love the acronym for CLAIM. I love the approach that you're taking with taking some of these core elements and applying them, practically applying them to leadership and even for people who are in business. And I noticed on your website that you have awesome workshops that you have from time to time. Do you plan on having something that's coming up to deal specifically with this new program that you're developing? Yes, I would love to have a select group of only about 10 people that are concerned about their culture in the marketplace that are willing to mastermind with me through these five elements in claim. And they can contact me at dia at diaerby.com or go to my website. But I would definitely would enjoy working through this as it applies in the marketplace. Because with the great resignation, 4.5 million people leaving their jobs, something's not right. We got to fix it. And I think building a community and a sense of belonging that people won't leave is, is important. And then there are the people that keep showing up because it's a paycheck, but they're not motivated. They don't have a desire. Their production is low. And if I can help business leaders build a community, this acronym with five facets, help them build a community, it will make a difference on their bottom line. They'll save money not having to replace employees and they'll they'll motivate their uh, people to produce. I think that for once <laughs> in decades, businesses are understanding the importance of soft skills because that's, that's, that's what you're talking about. For so long, it's just been the whole monotonous routine. You clock in every day. You have your job description that you're doing. The only time people were really working outside of that is if they're trying to get promoted. But the average person 
like you said, they have life, they have family, they have things that are going on. They're showing up in their body in a seat. And if you have employees that don't feel a connection, that where they're not vested, they don't really see the value beyond money. And we know that money at the end of the day means nothing if you don't have inside of you what it is that you need to satiate you so that you're not left wanting. Money is not gonna fill that space. And so with employers really understanding that these soft skills, that creating that space within that individual that makes them feel as though them coming there is more than about the money. That's really what's going to get people who are committed, who are dedicated, who are looking to retire, who are looking to step into spaces of more responsibility and maybe even use some of the amazing skills that people have that a lot of companies in the past, they didn't get the opportunity to use and to share. That's another thing that makes people feel expendable and like they're not a really benefit beyond yeah, they, don't, and so, they don't realize that they matter exactly so you having something like this in place i think is phenomenal dia it has been an amazing conversation so much information packed into this short amount of time that we had i want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to visit me at the grind to find and imparting such powerful wisdom on our listeners and viewers today thank you so much thank you for the opportunity well, that is it for content today. If you haven't already, you already know what to do. Log on to thegrindtofind.com and click on feed so that you can follow me. And if you want a little extra special tea, like what goes on behind the scenes with The Grind to Find as well as terrellamichelle.com, then all you have to do is click on join the list. Special thanks again out to Dia Irby and A. I'm praying that you're going to go into this weekend and your coming week executing on something that maybe you've been putting off, putting yourself out there to connect with others so that you can expand on what you do. Not only is it wonderful to connect with people who can support what you're doing, but don't underestimate how amazing it would be for them to have a little bit of you in their everyday to go along with what they do as well. No matter what, always define your grind and never let the grind define you. Until next time, Terrell and Michelle here. Peace and abundant blessings.